The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. What's up, everybody? I am Raymond Summerlin, your host for this edition of the Rotor World Football Podcast, and I will be joined today, as I am every Thursday, by Rich Rebar to discuss the Thursday night game, as well as the most interesting data points from his weekly worksheet column, as well as Nick Minzio, who has all the most important starts and sits for week 10 of the fantasy football season. Before we get to that, however, I would like to remind you to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. It helps other people find the show. It helps us in the rankings, and we very very much appreciate it. With all of that out of the way, let's get to it. What's going on, Rich? Ray, what's going on, man? Here we are, week 10 already. You know, it's, we talk about it every week. We're, just, we're here already. But I, I thought we might have to cancel the show after last week. So I don't think we could do much better. You know, last week we talked about the QB1, the RB6, the tight end 6, and the wide receiver 2 last week. I don't think that uh, anything we do this week is going to hold a candle to that one. I think we hit our apex already. <laughs> I like how that's that's like the definition of a humble brag. Like you just you just humble bragged off of Twitter, which I didn't know that that happened in the wild. So that is that is impressive, my friend. Good work. I, I'm just laughing. That was that was good stuff, especially after last week where I had to talk about my seven and one and now eight and one team. So we are the worst. But let's get on to something that I can't say the worst because I promise not to complain about Thursday night football anymore. So let's get excited, man. Russell Wilson versus Drew Stanton. Cannot wait for this game on Thursday night. Total of 41. Seattle's favored by six. I, I guess maybe we should talk first about the Seattle passing game. Did not have a good day last week. Russell Wilson did not look great. Still had a decent fantasy day, but did not look great. But this Arizona pass defense hasn't been good either. How how excited are you about about Russell Wilson? And I guess the rest of the pieces. And that's kind of how it's gone for Russell Wilson this year. If you've someone that if you, if you've watched a lot of the Seahawks games, it had they've had very few games where they've gone wire to wire and looked like a really good offensive football team. Most of his production has come you know in in the second half and in, you know the, in the fourth quarter as it did on Sunday again. Um, because that's kind of how the offense are. They don't really have like any great pieces. I mean, Doug Baldwin is a really good player. I would put him in in I would put him as like a, a really good like wide receiver one uh, for for like fantasy purposes. But like he's not like your prototypical like lead wide receiver. It's going to take over games. He kind of has moments. Uh, they haven't had any kind of running game. The Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett are like ancillary guys that make plays, but those they're, they're not like guys you have like foundation piece as the offense either. And you know Jimmy Graham's been kind of injured all year, although he's, he keeps 
cruising fantasy lines. So, like, this is how their offense is gone. It's kind of just gone up and down, you know, and had moments and peaks and valleys. But Russell keeps finding his way to, like, massive fantasy lines. He's got 20 or more points now in five of his past six games. He also has a pretty good history on Thursday night games. He's had 18 points per game on Thursday night games, so we don't need to run away from the, the road, you know, short week narrative of him. He's basically their best running back on the team as well. He's led the team in rushing the past two weeks. Uh, we're, we missed it last year, you know, him run it, running around. So, I mean, all those all that stuff is coming together for Russell Wilson, making big fantasy signs. You touched upon it. Arizona has not been a defense to avoid fantasy purposes by any means. So I think you just you, – you'd start Russ with confidence. You know, we're going to always keep playing Doug Baldwin. Uh, Doug Baldwin is a guy, too, that has – has not been followed by Patrick Peterson in these games. Uh, over the past three seasons, they've played six times. Patrick Peterson has gone into the slot a total of 22 snaps in uh, those six games. Doug Baldwin in those games has 40 catches for 539 yards and two touchdowns. He's had 13 PPR points or more in four of those six games. So, I mean, you're going to play him confidently as well. He's also had double-digit targets in every game since the bye week as well. So those two guys you're going to lock in on. I mean, you're obviously going to keep playing Jimmy Graham for the position he's in, even with his ankle injury on a short week. You really, you're not going to just play like a guy off the waivers. You know, you're not going to play Garrett Selleck over Jimmy Graham. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a business as usual. I think that when it comes to Lockett Richardson, like those, you can always chase like a touchdown from those guys but those are guys that have had very low floors and have not had high reception totals uh, although we do know that whoever is working away from patch peter typically has a good game but it looks like both of these are going to run about half of their routes away from patch peterson if he doesn't shadow one of them in the outside so it's, it's just kind of hard to decide like are they going to throw patch peterson at paul richardson or are they going to throw him at Lockett? it's really hard to say going in i would lean towards richardson because i, I think the chance of a touchdown's there but i will say one of these two guys is going to get a big play. Yeah. If you watch that game, if you watch that game last week, even against the 49ers, they were getting behind the defense. Goodwin was getting behind the defense. It's happened. It's happened pretty frequently this year. One of them is going to get a big play. And one more thing on Russell Wilson. The thing that he's going to struggle with, has been struggling with, is pressure. This is a pretty good matchup. Arizona has not been getting pressure. They're 29th in the league in adjusted sack rate. They just really haven't been getting there. So that's good for him. What about the backfield? Eddie Lacy's out. It looks like CJ Prosai is going to play. I continue to not care at all about that, but maybe you feel differently. I think that Thomas Rawls is actually a top 30 running back this week. And I, I don't know how confident I feel in that, but I think that there's an opportunity here against a defense that people might think is better against the run than they have been. I think there's a I think there's an opportunity here for Thomas Rawls. Do you agree? Yeah, I think there's there's gonna be opportunity, like you said. I mean, he's gonna get the start. And it looked like they wanted to try to you know, they talked about all we get Lacey to start last week, and they were giving him touches, and Rawls came in and and kind of assumed that they they are still running, they're willing to run into a wall with this. You know, they're giving these guys opportunities. Uh Rawls two weeks ago looked like he never played football before, and then last week had had some life into him. Hold on. I have to interrupt you and say, I think it was two weeks ago. Rawls had a target in the end zone where he was That's the one. Yep. wide open, wide open. <laughs> it was a little bit thrown out from him. He was more open than even Julio Jones was last week, wide open. And then like he dropped it. And then I don't know what happened, but he like flopped on the ground like a fish. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It was so crazy. Sorry. I just, it popped into my head when you said that. It was just unbelievable to watch that. Yeah. That's what I was kind of like hitting towards was that specific play. So, I mean, you knew exactly <laughs> where I was going with it. But I mean, yeah, RB2 flex. I mean, it's hard to have any confidence in the Seahawks rushing game. Like just blind faith. It's a blind faith play. Uh, and it's a blind faith play just based on the offense. You know, do you get, because they've been on the, knocking on the door the past few weeks inside the five and they just have not been able to run it in the end zone. So, I mean, you can, you can chase. I mean, it's, it just comes down to like how desperate are you in a week, you know, where, you know, Kareem hunts on by, you know, 
Buck Allen and Alex Collins are on by. The Philadelphia guys are on by. And if you were playing anyone in the Oakland backfield, I mean, they're on by too. So, I mean, you're probably in like more or less full strength outside of Kareem Hunt. Um, so, I mean, just who do you, who do you wedge him in over? It's going to be just case by case. I mean, he's not someone I'm, I'm like out to pursue, but I mean, that's about it for the Seattle side. I mean, um, the Arizona side is probably not as good. I mean, who are you excited about on the Arizona <laughs> side in this game? I mean, they're over, they do, they do have a 17 point implied total, which actually is not the lowest of the week. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not much there. I mean, obviously Adrian Peterson would be the one that you point to after what happened last week. It seems like they know they have to ride him if they're going to if they're going to have any offense. But the problem is, is that he has been used in the passing. That's the first thing I have to say here is that he was split out wide for a snap last week. He was used on a screen, if I recall correctly. He was used on a couple dump offs. So maybe he's not going to get great game scripted out of this. Like maybe you would think he will, but I doubt they're going to be able to hand him the ball thirty plus times, thirty seven times mm-hmm. again in this script. I just I don't think they're going to stick in the game long enough. So that would be the concern with him. Seattle's defense has also been better against the run. As of late, you know, we remember early in the season, them getting smashed by the run, you know, DeMarco Murray, Carlos Hyde, they have been better as of late. So it's not even that great of a matchup, but I I think that you're still starting him with, with confidence. I think he's still pretty clearly a top 20 running back at the very, at the very worst, but in the passing game, it's Larry Fitzgerald and, and that's it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the only person we can trust. And it's probably more of like a floor play Larry Fitzgerald than even, you know, he gave us those couple big ceiling weeks against the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. I don't think we're ever, I don't know if we'll ever get that Larry Fitzgerald again the rest of the season. It's more of uh, what we got last week. You know, you hope for those five for 70s, get you those 12 PPR points. I tweeted out some about receivers. It's pretty crazy. Larry Fitzgerald's the tight end five overall or the wide receiver five overall. But, you know, he's only been a wide receiver two or better in three of his eight games. It's kind of how like wide receiver has gone this year. Uh, so, I mean, the, just like having a guy that can get you like a, a, a foundry of like a double digit point still means something though in this wide receiver landscape of the season. So uh, he's a guy too. like, we talk about the matchup. He's similar to like Baldwin. He's going to be running out of slot a ton. It's going to be the most favorable advantage a matchup for the, you know, uh, receivers there. Uh, and we're already trusting him the most anyways. So I think he can get you a nice floor game and that's about it. I mean, that's, it's, it's Peterson Fitzgerald. Those are the only guys that are really start worthy for the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think we did a great job selling this game, but well, Thor is not opening this Thursday. So what else do you have to do, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so go and, go and watch it. All right, let's move on to your worksheet column, which as I say every week, I will say for the rest of the season, you should read this. Make sure you read it before you set your lineups. You'll be happy with you did. And let's get started with Ben Roethlisberger, who has not been a good fantasy option this year, but he gets the Colts this week. And I don't really buy into this, you know, I don't, I'm not a big, you know, pitcher versus batter guy when I play MLB DFS. I don't really (laughs) buy a lot the history against this one specific team. It's so, such small sample size, but he's destroyed the Colts in the past. It's obviously a great matchup. Is that enough to get him back amongst the top 12 quarterbacks for you? He talked about he's been a big-time fantasy disappointment, and he's entering this week as the QB 24. He's had just one QB 1 scoring week on the season. Despite the rough start, he has shown signs of getting on track recently, and he's averaging 9.9 yards per pass attempt over the past three games after averaging 6.5 yards per pass attempt over his opening five games. Two of those games have been on the road, you know, a place where we typically – have you know highlighted his bugaboos and the, the front half of the Steelers schedule actually in hindsight now has been it, it, he faced a lot of really bad pass defense or 
poor matchups for pass defenses. We see him coming off the bye. Pittsburgh hits the touchdown. The Indianapolis Colts, a team, like you said, he's torched. He's got 13 touchdowns, no interceptions the past few times they played. He had a three-touchdown game on the road against Indianapolis a year ago. And the Colts have been nothing short of, you know, a seed for just fantasy points all year. They've allowed the most points per game to teams in the league. They're allowing 8.3 yards per pass attempt. That's the most in the league. For fantasy measures, the only QB to finish outside of the top half of QB scoring against them was last week, Tom Savage. Um, and somehow even Tom Savage got it going, like, from the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, and then, you know, the Colts are 22nd in passing points allowed per game. So I think that if there was ever a week to play, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, and if he was sitting on waivers and you had Alex Smith or Carson Wentz that went to buy this week, I mean, he would be a guy I would be looking to scoop up and get in for at least this matchup. Yeah, and, you know, they're, they're big favorites. I will say – I'm really looking at this game from a betting perspective. If you guys don't know, I'm I'm into betting. You go on my Facebook page. You can see me write about betting every every week. But the Steelers have a, a huge situational advantage here. They're big road favorites after the bye. Favorites of three or more since 2007 are 29 and seven against the spread. And favorites of seven or more coming out of the bye are 10 and one against the spread over that same time period. So you would expect them to you know have a good game. But these are the Steelers, and the Steelers have been terrible as big road favorites under Mike Tom. The last 10 years, they're one in six against the spread Ooh. with three straight up losses as double digit road favorites, which is, to lose as a double digit favorite is just, you know, we don't see that that often. So, you know, I don't really know what to do with this game. I really have no idea what to make of this game. I think the Steelers are going to win. I think it might be closer than the number. It actually might be good for Roethlisberger where they can't just ride Bell. They're going to need him a little bit. So I, I'm, I'm kind of in on him as a top 12 quarterback this week. Let's get on to Evan Ingram, who for a couple games there was the only giant you wanted to trust in fantasy. That's changed a little bit now, especially with Sterling Shepard back, but he still seems like a great option this week against the 49ers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the midst of their, you know, losing their entire wide receiver unit, he's he's really just elevated into the focal point of the passing game and hasn't let down for fantasy purposes, even with Shepard back last week. Over the past three games, he's had 31% of their targets, 30% of their receptions, 44% of their receiving yardage, and three of their four receiving touchdowns, which has resulted in the 32% of the Giants' fantasy output has been produced by Evan Ingram. For comparison's sake, Travis Kelsey leads all tight ends rate of fantasy output for his team at just 20%. So that's a pretty big jump, you know, from if he can keep this up the rest of the season. The 49ers have been solid on the season versus tight ends production, but they have gotten leaky recently as they continue to just lose piece after piece of their defense. They have a lot of tight end one performance in three consecutive games. They lost Jimmy Ward two weeks ago. They lost Jakiski Tart, uh, you know, this past week. So, I mean, they don't really have any bodies to throw at Evan Ingram. It's going to be a game where you just keep riding, you know, Evan Ingram as on a week like we talked about, the, the Chiefs and, and Eagles, you know, Kelsey and instead of Alex Smith and Wentz being on by, it's Kelsey and Ertz, you know, guys have been riding. He's probably borderline the tight end too this week. Yeah, I think, I think you can make that argument, especially with someone at that position getting that kind of target share. It's something... It's something you're certainly in on. And it seems a it seems a bit crazy to go all in on the Giants offense, but in addition to liking Ingram this week, I also kind of like Orleans Darkwa. Am I am I nuts? You're not. I like Darkwa because if you've been watching Curb this season, like every time I see Darkwa, I think of Fatwa. You know, he's he's been he's been also really effective, like kind of on the ground over over the uh, past month. He's been an RB two or better in three of those four games, despite the Giants kind of frequently getting pushed into negative situations on offense. That's something that's unlikely to happen here against the 49ers defense that we touched on has been decimated by injuries. They're hemorrhaging yardage on the ground. They've a lot of top thirteen scoring fantasy running back in every game except for one on the season. 
Uh, San Francisco is allowing 119 rushing yards per game to opposing backfields. That's 31st. They're also allowing 64 receiving yards per game to opposing backfields. That's the most in the league. They've allowed 101 runs of five or more yards. That's last in the league. 35 carries of 10 or more yards. That's 31st in the league. And if you look at Darkwa, he's popped some some long runs here. 16.4% uh, of his runs in the season have gained 10 or more yards. That's the third highest rate for all running backs, at least 50 carries on the season. I think when you look at what Peterson did last week, it's going to be a week where you flip the tables, and especially in DFS when you look at Darkwa's price on a, a site like FanDuel that is not as reception-driven as DraftKings. He is it, he's on board as like a really solid running back option this week. Yeah, and we saw the usage bounce back last week. We saw... You know, the target, I mean, the snap split with him and Gallman bounced back last week. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Finally, let's talk about the New England skill positions, which it should not be surprising that they are a bit of a headache at this point of the season. It doesn't make it any less annoying, but it, but I guess it has, it's not that surprising. So sort it all out for us. Who, who should we like this week? out of these skill groups. I mean, the Patriots play in Denver this week after Denver just got roasted on the road in Philadelphia. So congratulations, Denver fans. I mean, this little stretch is going well for you. Uh, but outside of last week's results, I mean, Denver's defense still poses issues as it relates to fantasy. And New England has had very specific game plans in attacking them, staying away from attacking, you know, those elite cornerbacks that Denver has. Tom Brady has targeted running backs, 28% of the time and tight ends 26% of the time uh, of his passes. The past six games they played Denver, including the playoffs over the past three years, to get a gauge on, you know, compared to like league average this year. If New England had that rate this season, they'd be targeting wide receivers, the third lowest rate in the league. Rex Burkhead played a season high 27 snaps in, in week eight before the bye. He led the backfield in routes run, targets, and receptions. James White is averaging the most. He's a second mo- averaging the second most receiving points per game and running backs. I think it's going to be a very similar game plan to what they did against the Chargers in that Week Eight game when when Burkhead and the backfield they combined for twelve receptions for one hundred fifty three yards. You guys think we're going to see a lot of the running backs be a factor in this game? Uh, and then it's also this is a mega spot for Gronk. I mean Gronk has thirty receptions for four hundred twenty seven yards and four touchdowns. Uh, in his past four games played against the Broncos over that span that we talked about. And he has at least six catches for 88 yards and a touchdown in every one of those games. 29% of the fantasy points allowed by the Broncos have been scored by opposing tight ends. That's the highest rate in the league. I think it's a good week, with, especially with Hogan being banged up, not to really elevate Amendola against Chris Harris, not to really be on Brandon Cooks, who did have three for 98 in a score against Denver last year, but he only had 30 yards going into the final drive of that game. Uh, I think it's just a good week to stay concentrated on Brady, you know, nickel and diming the Broncos down the field and taking shots with Gronk. I, I will tell you, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I am a little bit worried about James White with what we saw with Burkhead. I, I mean, maybe maybe it was just game plan specific. And I know you mentioned Burkhead too, but him playing fewer snaps, seeing one less target than Burkhead is a concern, especially since, you know, they've just demoted Gillisley. Now, White hasn't given them any reason to to demote like Gillisley kind of did. But that's something I would be watching very closely in this game to see if that was a one-week thing or if it's something you know, we should be worried about with White moving forward. Do you think it's something we should be worried about? I mean, he's still got his in that game, but yeah, it's definitely something to stick a pin. I think it bodes worse for, I think Deion Lewis is the guy that's going to get shaken out the worst here because if you swap, if you put Burkhead and Deion Lewis's snaps that he's kind of had pushed Gillisley out of, Burkhead just suits the offense a, a lot better. I mean, they're, they're just not using Deion Lewis in the passing game. So you get a guy like Burkhead that can be just more versatile and, and handle more touches. Uh, you know, he's, he probably bodes more of a threat to kind of make it like a Burkhead white thing instead of like a 
hodgepodge of all of them. And then Gillespie still came in in the fourth quarter of that game with the lead and got, I think he still got the double digit touches in that game. Uh, but, you know, he's kind of a non-factor. We're not playing playing him. But, uh, yeah, it's something to stick a pin in because White has been so reliable all season. I think he's been a top 24 running back every week except for one on the season. So, I mean, he's been ultra-reliable. So if he starts losing a little bit of receptions, it's obviously going to hurt him because he's already a floor play to begin with. What a nightmare. What a nightmare. But you know what? You know what's not a nightmare is the worksheet, which all of you should go and read right now. That was that's quality work there, Summerlin. So make sure you go and read it. You can also follow Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. And I will be back with Nick Minzio in just a second. And we are back with Nick Minzio, who writes the Stardom and Sitem column at rotorworld.com. Every single week, make sure you go and read it. What's going on, Nick? What's up, Ray? You know, we had we had Rich on earlier, patting himself on the back, trying to slip a humble brag past me. I didn't let it happen, but patting himself on the back for what he did last week on the podcast. Do it. He had a really good week. Marvin Jones specifically has, did good for him. But you had a good week as well, so I figured we we had to give you credit as well for T.Y. Hilton, which at the time I called a, I believe I called it a fire take not even like a bad fire take just going out there on a limb and you know it worked out for you yeah i mean it started off in the week as a fire take but by the end of the week i think it was kind of like chalky uh you started it i'm giving you all the credit for all the ty hilton chalk uh my name's not that big enough big in uh, the industry but i'll take it i'll take it uh awesome game 35.4 points i believe it was on DraftKings last week i used him in cash everywhere i used him in a bunch of tournaments used him in all my season long leagues i had him so it worked out really well i mean i like him in domes and we get him again in the dome this week but obviously the matchup is much much tougher yeah it's it's not a not a great one there for the colts but let's get started this week with another big call on your part you are in on the the enigma known as Eric Ebron this week. Why? I mean, it's pure matchup based. Uh, the Browns have allowed the most catches to tight ends, the, the third most yards, the second most touchdowns to position, third most fantasy points to position. Uh, this is played in a dome. The the, the Lions team total is huge. Uh, the Browns just do not like pay attention to tight ends at all. So it's just like, who's playing the Browns? Is he, Does he play tight end? Play that guy in fantasy. So... Uh, I'm definitely on board with Iran as a streamer this week. I almost was there as well. I almost put him in the waiver column. I couldn't quite do it, but I, I do think it's a good call. And I feel kind of the same way about Garrett Selleck, which is a really weird, those are two weird people to put together to think Eric Ebron's first round pick and then Garrett Selleck. But that he's playing the Giants. George Kittle is out. I mean, if you're looking, if you're desperate for streamers, there, there are some names out there. And I, I think that both of those both of those are good options. You also like Juju Smith-Schuster this week, obviously, but before the bye, he had himself quite a game. But what does he have going for him specifically this week? Yeah, he's playing in a dome against the Colts. Uh, I love games in domes, especially this time of year. Cold weather plays a factor. So this game's got a nice total, 43.5, which is kind of high for this slate. There's not a lot of high-scoring games set up on this one. Steelers team total of 27s. One of the highest on the board. Uh, I'm not concerned whatsoever about Martavis Bryant coming back. I know they're talking about him running with the first-team offense, but Juju had a huge game before the bye in Detroit, uh, scored that long, long touchdown. Uh, he's just playing too well to take out of the lineup. I mean, Martavis Bryant has done nothing this season. So, I mean, they got to keep riding with Juju, and they're one of the best teams in the AFC. That's not like they're playing for nothing right now where they want to get 
Martavis Bryant's confidence going. So they're, they're playing to win games, and I, I think Juju's going to stick in that number two role. Yeah, I agree with you. I think people are much too worried about Martavis Bryant coming back. It's like we've forgotten that even before the suspension, he was losing snaps and targets to Smith-Schuster. That was already happening before the suspension. In fact, that's why the suspension happened, because he was upset about that. So, yeah. Right, I, yeah. I, and, I, the, and the Colts. The Colts' defense, their pass defense, they've allowed the most catches over 20 yards, and they don't have Vontae Davis. So, like you said, like everything's working in Juju's favor here. No, I agree completely. Let's get on to the guys that you that you don't like so much this week, and, and we have to start with Marcus Mariota. Why don't you like? Uh, hasn't had a top 12 finish in fantasy in, I think, over a month, uh, not running the ball whatsoever lately. I know Coach Mark, Mike Malarkey's talking about uh, putting more design runs in the, into the game plan for Mariota, but I'm at the point where I want to see it to believe it, and they're just not scoring points right now. They're, both these teams, Cincinnati and Tennessee, play super slow on offense. This total is 40.5 points. Uh, neither team has a great team total, so I just don't like this this spot at all for Mariota. The, the Bengals have played pretty decent past events. They, their top half of the league in sacks. Um, Mariota just hasn't been doing it. He hasn't been able to put up points against the Browns two games ago. Didn't put up points against the Ravens last week. I know that's a much tougher matchup, but this is an equally tough matchup, and I just don't like... I want to see it to believe it with Mariota. I think I'd play like guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Josh McCown, Jared Goff again, obviously over Mariota in, in this this week. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think I have all three of those guys ranked ahead of him, and to your point... Since returning from injury, he has 14 rushing yards total. Not a game, total, which is way below what he had been, even around 25 yards a game before that with three touchdowns. So there's something there. You mentioned it. The coaching staff said, we're going to use him more, but I agree with you. I think we need to to see that happen first. Finally, Jordy Nelson... Of all the people who have lost fantasy value with Aaron Rodgers out, I think that aside from Rodgers, Jordy Nelson might be the biggest guy. It almost even seems like Devontae Adams is their number one receiver now. Any chance that Jordy brings it back? I mean, if this game was at home, I might be able to take a stab, but on the road at Soldier Field where the Bears just played much better. They they should have won week one against the Falcons. Uh, they, they beat Big Ben the next home game. They should have beat the Vikings the next home game, but Case Keenum came in relief and led the Vikings back to a win. Uh, they uh, held Cam Newton and the Panthers to three points their last home game. So this, this defense plays really well at home. They're only allowing 15.75 points per game at home. Uh, Brett Hundley looks like he plays scared. And like you said, Devontae Adams seems to be taking over that number one role for the Packers. He just seems like a more reliable guy for Hundley. Runs uh, routes closer to the line of scrimmage, more of like a safety blanket for him. And Nelson only has, what, 48 total yards in two games with Hundley under center. And Adams is the one who caught uh, Hundley's touchdown in relief in Minnesota a couple games ago when he went after Rodgers went out with that injury. So I think Adams has taken over the, as the 1A in this in this receiver core, and Nelson's the 1B, like, big play threat, and this is an offense that can't make big plays with Hundley under center. Yeah, and Chicago's defense is, is good, and it's been playing well. I actually think on this side of that game, they might be – they might be the best fantasy option this week. So if they're out there in, in your leagues, maybe go pick them up. Thanks as always, Nick. Remember, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Minzio. You can also follow Rich at Lord Reeves. I'm on Twitter at RM Summerlin. Do not forget to rate and review wherever you find the podcast. We very much appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week. Justin and so good. 
thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 